Yes, perfect. So it's already after seven o'clock. We're cool. pretty much right on time, and all of our speakers here. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, very excited to chat Peloton today. Um, I think it was a pretty interesting quarter, pretty interesting results, and interesting call. So can't wait to hear all of your guys' take. I personally don't have a position, been studying this name, so I think these spaces would be greatly beneficial for me. And uh, if Mark would like to introduce sure. our speakers, that would be perfect. And uh, after the introduction, um, I think what I would like to start at first, especially for me, I think that would be great. And some of the listeners that joined uh, who don't have a position, I would like to learn more. Maybe we can start this call with the overview of the company. Uh, I'm sure Clay did a lot of research when he did uh, his thread that uh, got a lot of uh, engagement on Fintweed. So, yeah, that's my plan. Cool. So we have Ben, who everybody knows as the big Redfin bull here, obviously. Um, also a doctor. Then we have Clay, who runs his own newsletter. And then finally, Shri, who I've known for quite some time, one of my first meets on Twitter. And he is probably one of the biggest Peloton bulls, from my experience, at least. And he's going to know a lot about the numbers. So I'm interested to hear at least everybody's take and you know what they thought about the quarter. And whoever wants to open up first, feel free. Um, you know, no pressure. Yeah, I can start with the general overview of the company. That's good with you guys. Um, so Peloton's a company I started digging into after following Mark for a while. Um, you know, initially most people think um, this is a company that just sells overhyped bikes. And once you kind of dig deeper, you find out that uh, it's a lot more than that. So starting from the top, I'll just keep this at about a few minutes. So Peloton is a fitness platform that's most known for their high-end fitness equipment they sell, which is their exercise bikes and treadmills. Um, the bikes were the first product they had, and those were fairly expensive, around the $2,000 mark. But in this earnings report, we saw that they um, reduced the price of their original bike um, by $400. And I think these guys will discuss maybe the reasoning behind that. Um, you know, it's from what I've read on Twitter, it sounds like they're going to focus on, you know, getting bikes in the hands of people and trying not going for a large margin on the bikes, but then getting those people to subscribe to their monthly subscription service, um, which is led by their own instructors that they hire. So they have a subscription for the Peloton, the people that have the Peloton hardware, that's 39 a month. And then they have another option for those without the Peloton equipment, that's $12.99 a month. Um, they currently operate in the US, Canada, UK, and Germany, and they're just now expanding to Australia. And one of the most powerful aspects of Peloton's business is the brand and the community that they've built. Um, they're said to have a cult-like following. Um, the, me the members are extremely loyal to the company um, they host a number, Peloton hosts a number of showrooms that help nurture their brand. So that's similar to Apple and Tesla. Um, the customer retention rate for their subscription service is 92%, which is very, very good. Um, it shows how loyal customers are to their brand once they, uh, you know, get into their ecosystem. On top of that, Peloton has very popular instructors that are brand ambassadors, the top 10 
instructors they have um they have five million followers on instagram so people love following them and keeping up with them um you know and make them feel a part of their community um they're very intentional about hiring quality instructors and keeping that strong brand intact um the business growth has been very good over the past few years um, with the exception of the most recent quarter um, with COVID kind of throwing things out of whack, um, in my opinion, um, with the exception of, you know, this most recent quarter, the business has consistently grown its revenues by over a hundred percent per year. Um, the stock itself saw a significant run into January of 2021, where it hit about 170 bucks. Now it sits at 108 after hours. And before that it closed at about a 114. So we're down a bit off that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of hype around this stock earlier this year, and we've seen a pullback, um, one due to possibly the COVID restrictions with people going out more and not being at home as much. Um, and they've also had a, a round of recalls on their treadmills. Um, they've had some issues there. Um, and that's likely, I think it's one of the main reasons their revenue was down for this most recent quarter, but these guys can probably speak more on that too. Um, outside of what I already mentioned, there are many, many things I like about the potential growth of Peloton. Um, they have room to grow internationally. They can re release new hardware. Um, they can get into advertising and they can increase their, their monthly subscription fee over time if they'd like, because I believe they have pricing power. Um, I like the leadership of the business with John Foley being the CEO and founder. Um, his ability to execute has been very good and impressive to, to say the least. And um, millennials and younger people generally prefer to work out at home. And with more people working from home, um, you know, this trend towards people using um, Peloton's products and subscribing to their service, I think, um, you know, that's a trend we're going to see in the future and the work from home and the people enjoying working out at home. This will only benefit their business. That's all I got. Thanks, Clay. Much appreciated. That was a good introduction. Um, I kind of wanted to take it over to either Ben or Sri and kind of ask. So obviously, connected fitness subscriptions are still heading in the right directions, right? Up and to the right. I mean, they still added how many this quarter? Was it under 200,000? It was over 250,000, it looks like. Obviously, the revenues are down a little bit because of the shipping delays and, you know, the inflation crisis going on. But kind of wanted to see your take, Shree, because I know you were a little taken back about the profitability of this quarter, but you were still kind of happy about them raising guidance for the year. So I don't know if you have anything to say on that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to the call yet. I'll do that uh, tonight. The, some of the kind of the big big numbers that I track. So revenue obviously was down quarter to quarter, but if I look at on a year over year percentage, it's still up 54%. Um, I, I track uh, subs revenue, so subs connected fitness subscription revenue. Uh, and that was up nicely from 239 the past quarter to 281 uh, this quarter. And what's interesting is, um, during kind of that heavy growth period, we rarely got above 19 or 20 percent uh, as a percentage of re revenue. This quarter, because of the kind of the drop in the top line, we actually hit 30 percent. So 
that's kind of a, a meaningful number. Um, and long term, I'd like to see that number kind of keep going up. But obviously, we want the top line to, to grow a little faster than that. Um, one of the surprises to me was digital subs. And that number is sitting at 874, which was actually down um, versus last quarter of 891. And I know they did um, uh, some sort of a promotion this, this uh, quarter where they were offering two or three months for the price of one. So I suspect it might be something tied to that. Uh, it could also be because, uh, and they referred to this a couple times, during the summer months, people kind of can turn that thing on and off, much like they do with a Netflix subscription, which is similarly priced. So I, I suspect that the digital subs are going to be the ones that you turn on and off and you're not tied to them because you don't own the bike, whereas the connected fitness subs, um, you know, at $40 a, a pop, you're going to keep going on those because you have the bike and and you want to leverage that. So I, I, I'm starting to see a big difference um, in those two numbers. Um, what else? The other number that it was kind of good to see was, uh, and this is more in the PL, is the, the customer deposits and deferred revenues. Uh, so we were sitting at you know 500 million, 600 million, almost 400 million in Q1, Q2, and Q3. And I had assumed that they were going to try and bring that down, and they did. And that was what that $100 million in spend was. Uh, and they actually brought that down all the way down to 164. So essentially what that's saying is they collected um, deposits for bikes in the previous quarter, and they didn't have enough inventory because, if you remember, we were sitting at between six and eight weeks of uh, backlog. And essentially what's happened is they've been able to sh expedite shipping um, and they've brought that backlog number down to 164 million. So that's a great number to see. Um, and essentially what that does is a couple things. One is when you place an order, um, you're going to get delivery within a week or two. Uh, and I'm, you know, I kind of monitor uh, Facebook posts and there's a number of different Peloton groups and uh, you're, you're probably also seeing I mean, people that are getting deliveries in two or three days. So um, my sense is that that's going to help from a competitive perspective because, you know, if you can get a Peloton in, in a few days, why would you go buy a, a Max or a Nautilus or... Right whatever the other alternatives are. So uh, that's, that's a, a good, good sign. Um, obviously, the, the margins uh, took a pretty big hit this quarter. Uh, they dropped all the way down to 11% on the hardware. Uh, guidance was 21%. Uh, haven't uh, digested that number, but that's, that's a pretty tough number. They referred to expedited shipping. They referred to uh, raw materials costs. And you know, I'm seeing this in our business as well as uh, the price of resins and steel and all, all the raw materials that, that go into making a bike. Uh, they're up pretty significantly. And I suspect that that's what's happening. We heard the same commentary on uh, 
Beachbody, we heard the same commentary from Nautilus. Um, and I don't see that getting better. And I, I didn't see exactly what they were forecasting, but, but I suspect that uh, we'll see kind of margin uh, impacts here most of uh, that year. On the call, they seemed like not not too worried about the you know the issues of their costs rising anymore in the future at least with but again they were talking more so the plant opening up in ohio in 2023 so i mean they still were saying that the cost of the bike has reduced dramatically since inception because of their scale and how they manufacture the products but i mean joel and john didn't sound too concerned i don't know if anybody else has anything to add into there i don't know if ben were you listening to the call at all or or no yeah i, I listened to the whole call let me just start. Full disclosure, I'm a Peloton shareholder. I've also been an owner of the bike for almost five years. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. I love the product. I think it's revolutionary. I think it's phenomenal. And I think the community in which Peloton is building is absolutely incredible. I also believe that everything about Peloton is controversial, right? The bears and the bulls have their strong arguments. Everybody seems to be locked in. And this quarter exemplified that exact fact. So the bulls are going to say, this is a long-term land and expand, grab market share, get subscriptions, a long-term thesis play, which is exactly what I believe it is. But the bears have a great argument. They had to drop prices, margins decreased, all of the different bear arguments you can make. And this quarter just exemplified that fact. And I love businesses like this. You know, it used to be everybody was looking for the next Amazon. We were all searching who's the next Amazon. Now everybody's looking who's the next Tesla. Who is this controversial business that the bears see this incredible opportunity for? And the, and the, or the bulls do. And the bears say, no, it's, it's a failed business model. Who needs an overpriced bike? And I believe with every ounce of my being that Peloton had that same sort of model as Tesla. The NPS scores are phenomenal. Management started nine years ago with camcorders in an apartment building and four bikes. And look what they built. How can you not trust these guys and girls? How can you not trust these people that they are looking for the future of this business? And they're decreasing their cost, right, for the bike. It's obvious what they're doing. I mean, why are you going to buy the competition when you can pay just a few hundred dollars more for a Peloton? You can get it through a so, firm with a, with a zero-cost buy-now-pay-later. Mm-hmm. I mean, for less than a gym membership. They're putting a huge um, investment into POP, right, up in northwest Ohio. They got an incredible tax abatement. To do that, um, you know, they bought Precore. And then look at United Healthcare. Everybody forgot about the, the news of the week two weeks ago, right? They have got access now to one of the largest healthcare insurance companies in the entire United States. And the, and the thing that the Bears miss, that they really miss about Peloton, that they don't fully understand, is this is data. The data advantage that Peloton is accumulating and by getting more and more users and acquiring more and more data provides unbelievable optionality. 
their comments on the call about the tread being two to three times larger than the total addressable market for the bike. I mean, that's absolute fire. They are, <laughs> they are just getting started. When they say it's the first inning, I believe them. So I think you, you open up a good discussion. How, how does everybody feel about them? You know, the data they're collecting, like Ben mentioned, and also the, the $400 price cut, because I'm looking at, you know, the competition's bikes. And now with the, the old bike that's seven years old, it's priced at the exact same price as all the competition, if not lower, you know, and what you get with a Peloton membership versus a Beachbody MYX bike or a Proform or Nordic track. I mean, you don't get that community. You don't get the leaderboards. You don't get all the stuff that they bring to you, you know, training live with 40, 50,000 people, all the events, you know, the camaraderie that Ben brought up. So just curious to see if anybody wants to talk about that or. I guess I failed on that one. All right. <laughs> I guess no one wants to Nobody wants to say that. <laughs> Nobody wants to say that. No, I actually uh, would love to know as well. Like I said, uh, I don't own Peloton and uh, my employer actually just purchased uh, one in the office about a, a month ago. I guess they should have waited for a day to do that. But well, <laughs> it, it is what it is. So yeah, I would love to hear uh, what are the actual benefits yeah. of uh, Peloton over uh, their main competitors. If you guys can explain on this, that would be great. I think the, I think the explanation is simple. Have you used it or seen the competitor? I mean, yeah. the thing about Peloton that's so striking is you get on that bike, you do one ride, and you look and you go, oh, I get it. Just like people that were so bearish on Tesla. They never drove one. You get into the car, you drive the car, and you just pause for a minute and you go, I get it. That's Peloton. Like, we can break down the numbers. And part of the thing about, you know, having to do an earnings call every quarter. And being put on a micro, you know, um, uh, through a microscope every quarter, every decision, every single point drop in margin. If this was a company that reported once a year, this would be nothing. This would be this wouldn't even be news. You would say they're investing for the future. But in this, what are you doing this moment, this second? How can we value you? People are going to get concerned and sell. And if you're a short term holder, you should probably sell. Because there's going to be some growing pains. But they told you on the call that they're, you know, they never planned on making money last year. They just did it because of a pandemic and the demand was outrageous. But they told you 2023, they said they would be cash positive. So they've given you, you, you can trust, I believe, you can trust that this management team has a long-term focus. They've got a long-term roadmap. They've executed from four bikes with camcorders in a New York City apartment building to building the a fitness platform community throughout the entire world. How can you not own this business? I don't understand. I'm, I'm very bullish on Peloton. I, I believe the price may drop, but the long-term thesis, I believe, is intact. Max, uh, I'll, I'll just add kind of my two cents on the, the price drop. I've expected that they would bring their prices down a little bit more. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting a $400 drop. That's, that's a pretty significant uh, delta to come down on, on essentially what is a $1,600 bike. Um, 
so call it a 25% cut. So I, the only thing I can think of is in their uh, testing, um, and I think this was on the earnings call, that, that uh, they expect that that's going to significantly drive revenue. Uh, they've always talked about uh, the margin on the bike covering the CAC or the customer acquisition cost. Um, so, so I suspect that that's what essentially what they're trying to do is maybe maybe break even on the bike, which uh, I don't know if they'll do, but it looks like they'll come pretty close. And once the, once they can get that bike out in the marketplace, they're going to collect four hundred and eighty dollars a year in subscription costs. Uh, per subscription. I, I'll tell you personally, I've been a member since 2017. And uh, it, much like I, I think Ben, uh, my experience is that the content has gotten better. The stickiness has gotten better. They're offering more variety. There are a lot more classes. Um, so I, I don't really see any reason to leave. Now, with that said, you know, in my household, I'm the only one that uses it. My kids aren't interested. My wife does Pilates. Um, so I think it is kind of a, uh, polarizing, uh, subscription. Some people like it and some people want to go to the gym or want to go do something else. So I just accept that and I kind of do my thing. I, I get a lot of benefit out of it. And um, Did you hear the last question on the earnings call where they said, we don't have anything yet to announce, but yeah, yeah. quietly sneak, wink eye, wink eye, we're going to do something in strength training. <laughs> right? Uh, I they mean, said that last call too. I think they've yeah. said that the last two or three calls. So, so you're going to get a bike, you're going to get a tread, you're going to get some sort of strength training. Mm-hmm. You've got data acquisition. You're, they've discussed apparel and are doing some apparel. Uh, I was wondering if you guys could explain a little bit on the strength uh, offering. Uh, apparently, it's uh, the fastest growing segment, right? If, I, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what kind of offerings do they have right now when it comes to strength? Um, just through the app. I okay, just through the app. I personally never used it before, so mm. I'm just curious. And... Uh, what kind of uh, potential ads do you guys see? Like, um, what would you like to see in the future? I'd like to see intelligent weights. Or I'd like to see, you know, intelligent bands. I mean, you, there's other things on the market currently that doesn't get the, moto, the, the amount of notoriety. But there's no reason to think with the quality of product that they produce. You know, who do you, who made, do you guys have a home gym at home? Who, who made your equipment? Do you even know? I mean, Bowflex, I mean, it's, nobody's, nobody's done anything with, I mean, in 40 years, not much, right. right? It's a dumbbell. I mean. Yeah, there's never been like a revolution of fitness ever. It's the same thing. Like people have been going to the gym, lifting weights, as you mentioned, like nothing has really changed. And now we're at the point where. You know, you don't have to leave your house and you can feel immersed in the community and be with your favorite trainer. And then you can go on Instagram and, and connect with them. And then they're doing live videos every single day explaining their lives. And, you know, I know Shri also mentioned that even some of these trainers are now getting large sponsorship deals. Like I know Kendall was with, what is it, Shri X2? It's a fitness <laughs> drink and they partnered with Subway. So now Kendall's getting airtime with Subway. I mean, 
this is massive. I mean, you just don't see that very often. So, I mean, you know, some of these trainers are becoming icons, like celebrity-like, and, you know, some of them are reaching a million followers, and people worship them like they're another human being. And to be a part of this community, right? I mean, you only have to pay, if you have the machine, 39 bucks a month to to worship this person and train with them and be like them. And it's it's almost like a religious thing for a lot of people. I mean, you can see, I mean, they're still doing pretty well. You're getting 20 workouts in a month. I think that's pretty decent. I mean, doing a workout 20 times a month, I mean, obviously it's down from the pandemic highs as you'd expect, right? Because now it's the summer and people are doing things and going out. But tell me one, one, you know, do you know any other company where people are doing 20 workouts a month? I don't. I, mean, I was just about to say 20 yeah. times a month. It's uh, very often. It's way more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just be careful with that 20 workouts a month metric because that could include uh, a warm-up and a, a cool-down or a stretch. So it's, it may or may not really be 20 full work. You know, it's not like it's 20, uh, 20 days where you're doing a half-hour class. It's a pretty calculated metric. So I, the I only thing you can really, really see is that there is engagement um, and that engagement continues to stay high. Even in this quarter's metric, it was still right around 20. So uh, obviously a little less than last quarter because of uh, the summer. And yeah. the but I think to, to expand exactly on what Mark's point is, is that Peloton is a bike. Right, that's what people think of. It's a bike, but the bowls with an iPad. Yeah, the bears look at it and they say, "Come on, this is an overpriced bicycle. This is the fad that we've seen this multiple times before. It's going to go away. It's going to fade." And the and the bulls look at this and they say, "No, this isn't a fad. This is an entire industry. This is health. This is health. They have a screen in millions of people's households." All around the world, in which they engage with, you know, 10 to 20 times a month. A screen. Do you know how valuable that is? The optionality. I mean, when John Foley says he's building a trillion dollar business, he's not saying I'm going to build a trillion dollar bike business. He's saying I'm going to build a trillion dollar business based on health. I mean, they are just, I believe, scratching the surface of their total addressable market. It is not just people who are going to ride a bicycle mm -hmm. in their house. Obviously, they're going to do, you know, the tread, strength training, apparel, but you can just keep going. Like, you can just think about it in your mind and say, my goodness, they could sell me healthcare products. They could sell me information. Yeah. And, and what? Health, in, data, everything. Everything. Yeah. And you can just say to yourself, okay, boy, my insurance company is going to be very interested in knowing how many times a month I am working out on this bicycle, how high I can get my heart rate. I mean, I look at this. Thing, I look at everything from a physician standpoint. I mean, <laughs> wearable. How do you feel about the United Healthcare deal? I'm curious from a physician standpoint. Mm. I think it's an absolute dream come true. I mean, and and it makes all the sense in the world. I think you know, last summer we were all on Twitter saying we can't. <laughs> when are they going to announce a deal with an insurance company? I mean, if you're an insurance company, this is a no-brainer. A no-brainer, right? I mean, how did Buffett make all his money? Right through Geico. Right, government insurance employee company, insuring people who are low risk, who are government employees and in the military. How do you think insurance companies make all their money? 
ensuring healthy individuals who pay health premiums to have a be able to self-select people who work out and to demonstrate, you know, healthy behavior, attitudes, physical conditions. <laughs> this is literally what a healthcare insurance company dreams of. And they're going to subsidize the cost of some of this stuff. I mean, you can read that deal and they're clearly going to do so. And, and it's, I, I believe that deal is not exclusive, correct? I mean, that's what everything I read was, it's not exclusive. So you're going to see more of these, um, the chase Sapphire deal. I mean, it's so easy to market next to Peloton because you're marketing health. Yeah, some of the other names that they dropped, I heard like Wayfair, Samsung, SAP, Accentros, Sky. That's uh, pretty huge employers all over the world. So definitely moving in the right direction. I'm curious, anybody... So obviously, <laughs> guidance for next quarter wasn't that hot. But I mean, you know, Sri, how do you feel about them raising guidance for the year even with that big drop ne next quarter because of, I'm assuming it's the tread was delayed another 30 days or I don't know if you have any insight into that. I know you weren't part of the call, but. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I mean, you know, tread, it's basically three quarters, right? I mean, the, this quarter's, we're already two months into the quarter and I, I doubt that they get a lot of traction on tread they haven't started advertising it's whatever's in their backlog so um i suspect that that's probably why this quarter i mean the q1 numbers are fairly low but they told you two they told you two to three times bigger in the bite yep yeah that's always been consistent um, how 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 fast do you think they can scale the treadmill? Obviously, the expensive treadmill is still kind of MIA. We just got the entry level treadmill to come back. I mean, do you do you see this one scaling much much quicker than a tread plus, or like kind of what's your thoughts on that? And you know, curious. I think that's up in the air, but I think strategically, I mean, listen, <laughs> Q, you know, the beginning of every new year is Peloton's money spot right new year's resolution and you can see the timing of when they're doing this price cut they're doing this price cut basically september 1st coming right into you know black sun you know black friday cyber monday leading directly up into the holidays going through january 1st they now you know they're they've developed a infrastructure to produce this stuff you know to produce their product they bought pre-core i mean you can just see the game plan it's straightforward and you know, yes, they decreased the cost. Yes, there's going to be short-term pain. It's not revenues up and to the right. This isn't a SaaS business. This isn't a business-to-business -business business. This isn't recurring revenue, you know, when you're buying something from a business, you know, business-to-business. -business. But you can see the exact playbook. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to me. You're going to have to suffer through some short-term pain, but you've got to decide for yourself. Are you a short-term or are you a long-term shareholder? If you're short term, perhaps you get out, you know, perhaps you say, you know, it's up 355% over, you know, in a year's period of time, that's a great gain. Mm -hmm. I'm going to move on. But if you're a long-term shareholder, just buckle up. I mean, this thing I believe will compound for decades. I really do. So you're in the camp that lowering the cost is going to build the blocks for long-term sustainable success. And, you know, 
cut out all the competition or at least make it a lot harder for them to be profitable and to scale because most of the other fitness company subscriptions are far less superior and, you know, not, not as sticky as Peloton. Is that kind of where you are at? I believe in both Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos. I believe, you know, Jeff Bezos basically drowns his competition. My, you know, your margin is my opportunity. I mean, he will take you underwater and drown you. And, and he's, that's what John Foley is doing here. He's taking down margin for short-term pain for shareholders, but to pinch out competition and to drive subscription. I mean, and he's also, you know, he's also following the Apple playbook by making phenomenal product that people love with extremely high NPS scores. I mean, to me, this is a combination of both. He's, he's learned from these guys. He's got his playbook. He's, I go back, you know, four bikes, camcorder, and an apartment building for this. Yeah. Is it gonna flame? Why is it going to flame out today? Like, and, <laughs> you think this is done? People think this is done. Like, look what he's done. You think this is the peak? I do not. Shri, yeah. do you think it's more offensive or defensive? I, I, I do think it's more offensive. Let me uh... – there's a, a few few folks on uh, Twitter that commented around how does this impact their LTV. So, um, just a thought on that. Their LTV is essentially two components. One is, let's call it a two thousand dollar bike, and then it is um, about ten years of subscription. So, call it another five thousand dollars of subscription value. So essentially what this does is it takes one year of subscription value out of that. Um, I, I don't see it really impacting LTV all that much. I mean, that $400 um, comes out of their cost right now, but they make it up in the next, you know, eight, 10 years of subscription. The, the other thing that I, I think they're kind of focused on is lowering the manufacturing cost of that bike. My guess is that um, the cost to produce that bike has come down in the last five or six years, okay. and um, that, that's probably something to look into. I, I don't have the numbers on that, but uh, I mean, Jill, Jill kind of gave like a, an assumption that it, it, this. She said it used to cost a dollar to make the bike, and now it's basically forty cents. Exactly right, but sixty percent reduction in cost. And she said, even with inflation and materials and, you know, shipping prices, it costs us 60% less than it used to to produce the bike. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's what I would expect. And uh, kind of to that point, when they eventually bring manufacturing stateside, they'll save on uh, some additional costs related to uh, shipping and uh, kind of the whole transportation costs. Although... I, I don't know how that'll play out in terms of uh, additional labor. I suspect it's fairly cheap from a labor perspective to manufacture in uh, Taiwan and China. So uh, th that's yet to be seen. I I'm still kind of mixed on uh, what the value is, although it probably shrinks their supply chain a little bit too. How, how do you... How do you feel about now the differential in both offerings, right? Because the old bike mm -hmm. is uh, seven years old, but now you can get that for, what, $1,000 cheaper than the new bike? I mean, does that give you any concerns in terms of yeah. how much the new bike will sell? 
It's a good question. Uh, I, I didn't see that big of a delta in terms of what the value is. So maybe they sell more of the cheaper bikes now. You know, so for those that, that don't know, I mean, the, the difference in the the more expensive $2,500 bike is a few things. One is it's got a slightly bigger screen. It's got better sound, so better speaker. Uh, and it's got magnetic resistance, so a lot more accurate and kind of a smoother ride versus the friction-based resistance on the cheaper bike. Um, beyond that, I'm, I'm not too sure that there's that many differences, but that's a hard sell in my mind to justify an incremental $1,000 price. So that's I, just... I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you. The other thing that, that, that it does do, though, is it rotates. Have you guys been using the Peloton app? Anyone? Do you guys I, use the, I use the Meditate, but that's it. So, I mean, I line my three kids up and my wife three days, four days a week, you know, and we do a family yeah, workout really? on that thing. And uh, the kids love it. Wow. And, um, you know, it's a great way to get family fitness in that takes 20 minutes. Everybody gets a nice little workout in. And that's the other thing that bike does. Now, we do it on our television set, but the, you know, the, the screen of the, the bike plus, it rotates as well. Um, I do agree with you. The, the thousand bucks is a lot. I'm sure they have a reason for it, though. Um, you know, it's easy to second guess all these decisions, but at some point you got to just say to yourself, these guys have executed. Right. <laughs> I think I think they know what I believe they know what they're doing. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I'm sure they tested it, right? They probably tested it in some sort of a, a trial fashion to see what the elasticity was and kind of what the mix would then be. Doesn't it feel like Roku a little bit? Like, isn't this a hardware to software play? I mean, we've said to ourselves, you know, all television is going to be streaming, right? If you if you own Roku, I think you believe that thesis. Mm -hmm. You not believe that ten years from now, all at home workout equipment will be connected workout equipment, or at least the majority of it. Is that a crazy thought? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes, because as we phase out the older generations, and I apologize for anybody who's older in here, I mean, <laughs> I feel like the younger generations are just more keen to do everything digital, right? I mean, like, kids are born with their phones nowadays. When I was a kid, I still played outside. I was born in 1993. Kids don't play outside anymore. They're born with an iPad in their hands. They're, they go full digital at a young age. So, yeah, I agree with you. I don't see, I mean, maybe gyms will always exist. I mean, somebody can fight me on this, but... You know, you get to save two hours worth of time from driving to the gym. You can wake up. You don't have to put on makeup if you're a girl. I mean, you can sit at home, get your workout in, not worry about what you look like, and then, you know, shower and you're gone right from your home. So, I mean, and you get to work out with your favorite trainer, right, which I think is cool. You know, I'm, I'm really curious, uh, you know, there always will be people that are like really into like uh, getting up and going to the gym because they don't feel like they're uh, accountable to do these things on their own, don't have the motivation. So they, they have to go somewhere. Do you think in the future they could open some retail locations as well? Would it make sense or no? So, so they have the, the headquarters. You can work out and you can actually do the classes live. Well, I guess with COVID, it's a little finicky now, but. 
they kind of had that going. I don't know, Shree, if you can touch on if they plan on opening more like locations like that in the future to work out with the trainers. Yeah, they haven't announced anything. It wouldn't surprise me. I've been I've been to their uh, New York and did a live class there with them. Uh, it's a it's a great kind of studio. Uh, it, it's just a one off though for now. It's I think they've got one there and one in, in London, but the London one I don't think they've ever had any real live classes. So uh, I think there's been talk about you know could they open little studios. Uh, in the back of each of their stores. And I, you know, I'm sure that's something that they've thought about. Do you think it would be like a uh, main competitors to like places like Orange Theory or yeah, some Orange of this? Theory, yeah, Orange Theory, Berries, you know, SoulCycle, mm -hmm. any of these. Yeah, I just think that there always mm -hmm. will be this type of demographic that would like to go somewhere yeah. and meet people in yep. real life. So I was just yeah. trying to understand if there is definitely market for them as well. Well, I just added Chris Seifel as a speaker as well. I know he had uh, quite a few questions and had uh, interesting thoughts. I'd like to hear what he has to say as well. Chris, can you hear hey, us? Guys. Yeah, no, up, can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. Uh, you there? Oh, that would be so good. Ben, you got to meet your mic. It sounds like you're having a party. Chris. Are you there? I always have a party in my house. I can hear it. Chris, are you there or no? I mean, it seems like he started talking but and then he just he disappeared. Chris, can you hear us? Can you hear me now? Yeah, you, we yes. can hear you now. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a yeah, call. I, this Twitter space, man, is brutal. Um, so I, I'll just kind of fast forward my question. So, you know, for me, right, um, the way that I better understand stocks and forward return opportunities is – through a more tangible discussion around really what consensus is, you know, what you, what the core value drivers are of the business, what you guys view as, you know, what those drivers should be in the future and how that's different than consensus. So that would then be like a bridge and a crosswalk to why the price today is significantly undervalued versus what you guys think it should be. And then that can, you know, that can, we can then get to an IRR that way. But that just helps me kind of better understand, you know, how much this company is undervalued in your eyes. Uh, just helping like to put numbers around it and talk about KPIs, um, you know, versus consensus would be, you know, really helpful. Um, that's just the way that, you know, I look at stocks and the way that I think about uh, forward returns. I just want to say that that's a phenomenal statement. And I actually, I'm passionate and I say things in sort of sort of a clear way, but you're exactly right. You're looking for mismatches, right? You're looking for opportunities in which somebody sees something one way or the numbers don't quite speak or tell the whole truth. I think that's a phenomenal take. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, you know, like consensus or maybe in the company guides certain, you know, subscriber amounts the next five, 10 years, whatever it may be, right? They guide a certain number of equipment sales the next five, 10 years. Uh, ASPs, uh, you know, subscriber uh, per month revenues like ARPUs. And so, like, for me, what's helpful is just understanding, okay, what that consensus is, but where you guys think that's wrong, right? And then that's where, like, that value dispersion will lie. Because, you know, like, I don't think anyone here is going to, like, bank on, you know, like, multiple expansion, any of that, like, right? Because like, we're talking about like, long-term investing. 
And so the multiple over time, just mathematically, right, it's going to be irrelevant. What matters is the compounding of the business's underlying fundamentals. And so, like, that's kind of what I was wondering if you guys could talk about, um, which is just that disconnect, right? It's, it's what do you guys think the core value drivers are? What does consensus say? What do you guys think it is and why? And then kind of how that might evolve in terms of, you know, IRR over the next five, 10 years. Because, like, for me, you know, like, there is opportunity cost, right? You know, like if, if Peloton, as an example, is going to generate only like a 10% return, maybe, you know, a couple basis points, a couple hundred basis points spread on the market, I'm trying to earn much higher than that. So then Peloton for me wouldn't be a good investment. But if to the contrary, you guys are like, well, hold on. Like, you know, right now we think that there's such a wide gap that uh, Peloton actually offers a 30% IRR from here. This is how we get there. Then I'm really intrigued, uh, if that makes sense. So that's, I was wondering if you guys kind of talk about it through that lens, uh, if, if possible. Yeah, I, I, Chris, I mean, I, I think those are good questions. The, the problem is that there's so many unknowns with Peloton, right? So we don't have a good sense for what their pipeline is. And they've been really coy about that, other than to say they've got a bunch of stuff in the pipeline. So, for example, we know that there's some kind of a strength device that's going to come is it next quarter is it the quarter after it'll be sometime let's say in the next six months they've been working on it for over two years now same thing with the rower neither of those are going to be baked into either guidance or uh, analyst estimates so that's going to be upside um, tread sales my guess is that the number that they've provided is very conservative because they've said all along and they've been very consistent since the launch uh, of Peloton that tread is the tread market size is two to three times uh, the size of the bike. Uh, John Foley has said that uh, in the U.S. alone, uh, companies outside of Peloton sell three million treads a year um, for what he referred to as dopey treadmills. So. There's definitely a market. Now, why they're estimating, I'm guessing, just a few hundred thousand a year? Don't know, right? Like, I think it's just uncertainty. The only thing I would so, add to that, I think that was well said. I think you're right. The only thing I would add to that is I believe you can increase the subscription costs. So the, the bears are going to say they don't have any pricing power. They had to lower the cost of the bike from $400. But I think over time, they could easily raise subscription prices, 10, 15 bucks. I mean, they are isolating out. I mean, let's just be honest, right? $75,000 and up, but they are isolating out predominantly affluent people around the world. What better customer base do you have? I mean, that's what Apple has done, right? I mean, that's what Tesla has done. They've isolated out affluent families who are able to absorb higher prices without giving up their luxuries. And so yeah. they're going to argue they don't have pricing power. That's what's going to be talked about here for the next three months, six months. They don't have pricing power. They had to decrease the cost of the bike in order to sell more, drive more units. But the truth is, I believe over time, they'll be able to expand margins. And they talked about that a little bit on the call, how they're going to be able to sub expand subscription margins. And they gave us one and two year guidance on that. So, you know, as they accumulate more subscription price, I think they can increase subscription uh, gross margins. 
Yeah, Ben, I, I don't know if I agree with that. My my take on it is a little different. That they're not targeting the affluent. They're trying to get into more the mid market, uh, and for them, forty dollar subscription is going to be pretty pricey. So I I think it's a struggle now. Are they willing to trade off a you know a sub one percent churn for let's say maybe a two percent churn and get you know something higher from the subscription? Maybe I, I'm guessing that will be the trade off uh, at the end of the day. But you don't right think now, I don't you don't think, think they're going to have different. You don't think five years from now they're going to have different tier pricing for different options? I mean, there's so many things that they can do here. Sure. I mean, they could you know. There's gaming. I mean, there's a lot of other options that they have where I think they could differentiate out there. They're talking about like a, an advertisement sub? Of course. I mean, there's there's so many different opportunities. They have a screen that people go to 20 times and they love and they share and they, they, they build a community a month. I got the income stats pulled up. So it's 21%. Of households earn over two hundred thousand. Yeah, about twenty-four percent is a hundred thousand to one hundred fifty thousand. Thirty-eight percent, fifty thousand to a hundred thousand. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious what they're. I mean, <laughs> they're going after the. I mean, they're going after the most affluent families. Of course, they're going to go down. I mean, Tesla started off by building a you know a hundred and fifty thousand dollar whatever it was a Roadster. And then they slowly work their way down, and they're going to get a $25,000 electric car, right? I mean, it's the same playbook. Yeah, no, no, I agree it's the same playbook, but I think in order to get the scale, let's say 2 million, 5 million, 10 million subscribers, they can't afford to just be in the 75 and up segmentation i mean they're going to need to get to thirty, forty thousand dollars and kind of get um, the average buyer at least here in the u.s i don't think you know, I, i'd love I to hear think, is, i don't think is, a 30 i don't think a thirty thousand dollar family if, if if it takes if you think it takes the bull if you think the peloton is going to take a thirty thousand dollar a annual salary of a family in order to acquire a peloton then, then I think that's a poor investment. I, I disagree with that. I do not think that. I mean, thirty thousand dollars a year is twenty twenty seven hundred dollars a month. I mean, you're just that's fifteen bucks yeah. an hour. I don't think you're getting a fifteen dollar an hour person. I, I think I think you are. I mean, take a look at some of the 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 tags. I mean, you see uh, teachers, you see a lot of blue collar families that are riding Peloton. Yeah, but they don't make thirty thousand dollars. That, that's okay, not they make fifty thousand or whatever it is. But yeah. it's not it's not upper income. It's seventy five thousand dollars. I think you know somewhere in that range. Um, I think it's middle middle to upper class throughout the entire world. Hey, hey Mark, I I I, I saw uh, something from you asking about. Would be great to get um, Bear to. Ask yeah. some questions and maybe challenge. I think that's a great idea. If there's any bears in the audience, raise your hand right now, please. And we're not going to yell at you. <laughs> we're not going to make you feel ostracized. I would just love to hear, you know, because I'm so laser focused bullish on this company. And really, you know, I'm going to hold it for the long term. So I would love to hear anybody that has anything compelling to say that, you know, 
you think it's not going to work or you think it's overvalued or you think there's not going to be any good IRR on, on the company in the future. So somebody raise your hand. And I would just say it's killing me to see Bob Tremor's name on this list right here. It's just killing me to I think that's, stare at his name and not to be able to listen to him speak. Bob, we love you. I can't comment on that, but yeah. Um, I don't think he's even here. But uh, any bears? Nobody? No bears? I'm not. Bear? I'm not a bear just because I haven't done the work on the company, and so I'm. I can't form an opinion. But, and this is just my investing style. This is nothing, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way at all. Because there, it's when people, especially on Twitter in a static environment, talk about stocks, they leave out a very important part of the discussion, which is position sizing. So for me. I like to really narrow and refine and minimize uh, the unknowable for my investments. And so for my core investments, I, I can have a pretty high degree of certainty uh, around the range of outcomes. For Peloton, it seems like you guys believe that a lot of the value is in the optionality, is in future optionality, which is fine. Um, and, and so like for me, that's a, that's a name that I would allocate more of like a small position to as more of like a, a like a bet, if you will, more like a venture capital type bet in my portfolio, um, almost like a story type of name, um, not not in a derogatory way once again. But so that's what I was trying to get at, you know, is like what what range of kind of certainty or outcomes can we have with this stock? And if you know you guys believe it's much more on the future optionality and what what the company is trying to set up to do, like that's that's fine. Um, and I can kind of I would you know size it accordingly. Uh, but for me, I'm certainly trying to understand you know tangibly where this you know where this company can go right now. But if it's more of an unknown, uh, that's fine. But like for me, I would just size it really small. That's just my my kind of thoughts there. Not a bull or a bear, but um, yeah, I was just trying to better, better understand the quantitative side of things, given that I think, you know, the qualitative side has been fleshed out pretty well. You sound like a mathematician, a data scientist. I work with you guys all day. You're so smart. You're yeah. so smart. Hey, guys, I got to go. Thanks for including me. Thanks, guys. Wow. That basically said I don't have time for your question. I don't know if anybody can answer that question. I'm yeah. surely not going to answer that. That's just not my style. I, mean, I, I just can't respond to that. My take on Chris's comments, I mean, with a lot of these kind of early stage growth companies, I think if you plug them into a quantitative model, you'll find they're very overvalued. Um, you know, if you took a company like yeah, that's, Amazon. Yeah, that's not true like, necessarily, but. You don't think so? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, but I, I, I think I know what you're saying, right? Like, it's Yeah. Like, if, yeah, if, you put, think, if you put this thing in a DCF, yeah, it's not going to make any sense. Right. <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't. Um, right. But there are there are certain ways, like using price implied expectations or real options analysis, to do so. Um, and that's you know that does require, I think, some you know range of certainty, right? Um, and so, like for Peloton, you can kind of do that math, right? You can do a, a real options analysis and see, okay. Like, this is the market price today, right? This is based off of the company's current cash flows or whatever uh, net operating profit or however you want to define free cash flow based off of where that is today. 
uh, and where that will be in the next, I don't know, five years, whatever it may be, right? What is the intrinsic value just of that, right? And so you can kind of isolate what that steady state value is. And then from there, that spread between the steady state value and the market cap would be your real options value. And then you can use Black-Scholes to figure out what that implies in terms of one, the required TAM or the required market size that the company can go after, but then also the amount of invested dollars that the company must invest in order to uh, to, to get that TAM, to get that additional value. Uh, so, so there are methodologies to do so. Uh, it's just, it, it definitely is a different exercise than it would be, you know, right, for like a Walmart or a Costco. Right. Just yeah, I think Amazon, this is bro. mainly a qualitative type analysis um, relative to what you're you're trying to dig into. Yeah. No, I got it. Um, just wanted to kind of challenge you. Do you have anything on that or no? No, I, I, I don't. I, I mean, I guess I would ask Chris. I mean, I know you're big into Amazon. I've owned it over a decade. I don't think that case was all that solid back then either, right? So how did you decide to invest money in that company? No, I mean it's it's a it's a good question. I I didn't. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm too young <laughs> to to have been able to do that. Um, you know, w- wish I had. Um, but but that once again, you know, it's it's actually a a question I ask people about DCFs, right? Like nobody back in 2000 was modeling out AWS in their DCF, right? It's it's right. more the it was the that goes back to the options analysis that I was talking about, right? Um, and, and so that that's the point, right? Because at that time for Amazon, you could know what that steady state value was, and then if you believed that Amazon did have this opportunity, then yeah, like right, like that does make a lot of sense that you could underwrite that. But it's it's difficult. Like you can't you can't make a call back in two thousand, giving the the risk reward skew that Amazon had. But that all goes back to like what are the probabilities of your upside, downside, and base case. Right, so, but it's like, no different. I mean, back then, you didn't know they were going to have a strong international business. You didn't know they were going to be in AWS. I mean, same thing with Peloton. You know, we just found out about Australia. We have inklings that they're going to migrate into a couple of other countries right. in 16. Europe. Yeah, it's fine. Just like I'm right? just, I'm saying you can still do the math. I'm not yep, saying that it's not possible to do right. so. I, I, I agree. Chris, I love you, but we're going to move on. I can't have you doing 30 minutes of questions. Yeah, no, no, Thank I know. I, I need to hop off. I, <laughs> I always do this. My bad. My bad. No big deal. <laughs> you guys I, enjoy. I, I don't think anybody knows. In the, words, in the words of Jim Cramer, it's too hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate you guys giving me the time. Um, enjoy the discussion. Take care, guys. Thanks, Chris. I know, I know you hated it, but we still like you. All right. Moving forward. <laughs> Future focus. Future focus, I think, was next, and then uh, Richie, Richie after future. Okay, so you asked for the bear case. I, I wasn't a bear today. I was, I was short big on the earnings because of it's late in the earnings, and you've seen uh, supply issues and user data issues and raw material issues. And Peloton's a, a stock. If it goes one way or the other, it's going to move big. Um, but I guess I didn't like the twenty percent. Uh, revenue cut for the first quarter and um, somebody was talking about why the estimates on the treadmill are uh, so low and I just think it's probably because everyone bought exercise equipment and uh, 
even so, it's not a Peloton. I mean, the people that just bought it, it's probably going to take some time before you, you want to go get a new treadmill, you know. And that's all I got. Somebody? Yeah, I, I, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, I, yeah. I agree that the treadmill estimates look really low in my mind. I, I, you know, the only thing yeah. I can think of is that they're, you know, ultra conservative as they always are. Yeah, just to reiterate Ben's point, you know, I think these guys all assume that the long-term thesis is still intact and they're, they're very well could be short-term pain due to raw materials or freight costs or, um, yeah, issues with rolling out the tread. Hi, this is Richie. Uh, I mean, everybody's having raw material issues. It's not just Peloton, right? Um, I, I know a lot of paint and ma uh, manufacturing companies that are having extreme issues with fighting, finding titanium dioxide in, in bulk or like for for their manufacturing facilities. Everybody's having raw materials risk. That cannot just be a pure speculation enough for saying, okay, I'm not going to be with the product, right? So, uh, so a, a couple of things maybe I could add, like the reason why I feel like for my, for myself personally, I am, a, I'm long on Peloton for two to three years from, uh, and, and I'll tell you my reasons, right? The reasons is, so I personally own a bike plus myself, and then I speak to the delivery drivers who deliver these bikes. And they have, and I've had maybe 10 interviews within the last two months. And I thought that's the best way to gather data points mm -hmm. to really evaluate any company is <laughs> the product delivery, right? Uh, for, for Peloton, I, I thought like, okay, how many deliveries you guys are doing? They said, we have been super busy. And I was like, what do you mean? How can you be busy? They said, we're not just delivering these bikes to homes. We are delivering bikes to apartment complexes. And, and that's a new thing that I just realized because apartment complexes mm -hmm. everywhere, instead of buying treadmills and these ellipticals, they are just buying Peloton bikes, which is about the same price for them, right? And they've been buying them in tons, right? They've been Everybody's been buying about six of those bikes and their commercial deliveries are ridiculously gone up. So if you see the recent earnings report, yes, they beat by 12%, but that's just the, even with the issues that you're seeing with COVID supply chain issues, right? So, so th that's primary, like two reasons for myself and I'm a believer of the product, right? Uh, it, it has a great community and the community is growing ridiculously big. If you see engagement on Twitter or if you see engagement uh, while you take a class or if you just see engagement even on uh, platforms like Slack where, you know, I work in tech and I, and I have plenty of people who work for Tableau and uh, Salesforce and companies uh, like uh, Facebook, they all have team uh, virtual uh, timeout sessions where they all take the same class that's going live. And, and I know this uh, a dime a dozen examples, and, and it is a community that is actually making this platform like longer and stronger. So those were like a couple of thoughts that I said. Uh, just looking at raw materials, everybody is having issues. Like steel is a, steel is a, is major scarcity. Uh, aluminium has major scarcity. 
lumber like you know we know these things right but eventually the, it'll find a way to balance itself but that doesn't just mean it's it has uh, you know it, it's it's reasons to short a company thanks richie i appreciate the the insight anybody anybody have anything to say there or? okay uh jay hey guys what's up so right, um, hey good good um this is a great discussion um you guys know that i'm uh, most of people here know that i'm a long time peloton bull so my my thesis in short term and long term right so um, i don't care what happened to the stock price over the next two to four or five months um, but short term, in terms of like one to three years, I see the treadmill as a, a new revenue growth cycle for Peloton. Uh, they already mentioned, obviously, the, the market opportunity is two to three times bigger than bike. Um, plus, uh, they are the, the reason they did not guide any treadmill sales for the next quarter is because they're going to start selling it from August 30th in the U.S. and U.K. Um, and Canada. And... Uh, it's going to take three to four weeks for delivery and they don't consider that revenue until it's, the product is delivered. So for this quarter or the um, the next reporting quarter, uh, there is no treadmill estimated at all. But I do see that the quarter after that, that's going to probably boost up pretty pretty good. And um, other other bull case, hey, I would Jay, say. Williams, Jay, what, what did you think about um, the, the comment that, 50% of the treads are going to go to existing bike owners. Absolutely. So that's, uh, Shree, that's a great I'm point. A so, so the next point I was about to make, so anybody who owns a Peloton bike and they, they love their product, I don't think they will buy any other tread than Peloton. That's it. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Um, again, I, I could be obviously easily wrong on this, but if you once you use the bike, once you are in their ecosystem, Without paying extra forty dollars or any other subscription, um, you're just gonna buy the hardware sales, right? And that's what's gonna boost up their uh, hardware sales, obviously. Hey, hey, hey Jay, so, this is yep. Richie. Sorry, I, I need to interject there. I I hope you don't mind. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's that's that that seems like an opinion to me because I like I check with sample sizes, right? With sure. people that are around me within like my sphere of influence but i have seen plenty of people who bought the bike went and buy tonal or some other products that was non-peloton just so they could have both platforms available i, I right. do know people who bought the bike and the thread but they ended up selling one of those products uh, right. so, on, on on the facebook community of marketplace for some so i've seen plenty of examples which kind of contradict to what you just said I'm, I'm not challenging you on it but i just wanted to see if you could maybe expand a little bit about yeah. you know your observation i'm, I'm yeah, just no, wanting I'm to happy expand to, on that absolutely no i'm happy to be challenged the reason i'm saying that is because i'm personally the they are selling their bigger thread which is five thousand dollars something like that um for a long time, right? I did not buy that because I could not uh, justify the cost of purchasing the product at that price. But with $2,500 and now 43 months monthly subscription, which is like less than 60 bucks, um, my entire family use bike. My entire family, I'm sure, going to use the tread as well. So what I'm saying is that people probably did not buy that is because it's pretty expensive in the past. 
What I'm saying is that going forward, the cheaper tread, the people I know who owns the bike in my community or my friend circle, pretty much everybody was waiting for the cheaper tread who did not have tread and going to buy the Peloton tread. So that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm Again, this is obviously my opinion and uh, just my data point from people whom I talk to, the delivery people, um, and and then some of the friends that I have. Uh, that's what I'm saying, you know, the, because considering the cheaper tread product, uh, I would probably buy the cheaper tread product just because of that, you know, because I could justify the cost. And what I'm saying is that the, the, the way that original bike went from like $2,400 to now $1,600, that's probably going to happen in future with the cheaper tread as well. You know, the starting point for the cheaper tread is around twenty three, twenty four hundred bucks. That's going to drop in next five years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Next five years. And then the gym, uh, commercial gyms, apartments, uh, hotels, like Westin has all the Peloton bikes, right? They're going yeah. to put the Peloton tread as well. So there is a bigger revenue growth coming hopefully in future next three to five years from, from the tread market. And the optionality on the business is obviously um, tremendous, you know. So I'm I'm definitely excited for that. So that's it, guys. Thanks for clarifying, Jay. Thank you. Sure. I think we have overlooked insights, Joe. You're after him. Hey, thanks for uh, taking my call. This is my first um, speaking thing, and uh, actually, uh, new to the Peloton story. I'm just kind of interested in this uh, 20 workouts per month. Is that per bike? And uh, just wondering if any uh, other users can kind of comment on their own personal use. Because uh, as someone who personally exercises himself or myself, um, I feel like 20 workouts in a month is like, it's, it's hyper abnormal. Uh, I think that possibly yeah. maybe the numbers are like uh, that other speaker, Richie, said that maybe got this. there's bikes that are in uh, like hotels or uh, apartment complexes where they're getting multiple, they're getting used by multiple users every right. day type of thing. I just feel like a 20 workouts per month is like hyper abnormal than the average so, person. So if anyone could comment so, on their own personal use, I'd so, appreciate so this, it. So the subscription is tied to you personally. So even if you're working out in like a hotel or you're working out in an apartment complex, you have to create your own account to be tracked. So mm. we focus on you personally, but, Yes, the number is inflated. I kind of didn't really mention that earlier, but it tracks basically how many workouts you do. So yeah. you could take, you can build a stack. Like you could be on the treadmill, you could be on the bike and build your workout stack. So that could be a pre-workout, which is like a five-minute warm-up, and then you do a twenty-minute run, and then you also have like a cool down, or you do some strength lifting afterwards, which would count as four workouts. So yeah, the number is a little bit inflated. I'm assuming it might be like how many times a week do you think, Sheree? two to three versus the five it's showing now. I mean, what do you think? I I, I haven't looked at it in a while, um, but it's in the the quarterly reports on exactly how they track that metric. But I believe it's uh, over 10 minutes um, for a workout. So like a five minute workout wouldn't count, but a 10 minute workout above would count, but you could do a 10 minute warm up and a 30 minute ride and a, 10 minutes stretch at the end of that and that would that's count three. as three uh, yeah so yeah that. yeah that's right that's right sorry if i could interject there i think that metric would have been a lot more helpful if it was in minutes right and and 
I know I've been guilty of this and I know several people they do a 5 minute warm up <laughs> a 15 minute 20 minute strength class and another 5 minute cool down and that counts up to be as 3 so mm. some people just do a 10 minute uh, ab workout which is a strength class you don't even need to have a bike for that so for that matter right for some yeah. people they just put it on their apple tv or amazon prime tv and do ab workouts every day for 10 uh, 10 minutes each and that still counts up to be that one users taking one workout every day so so i think a realistic metric would be the minutes uh, engaged per user would be a real good metric for us to qualify that but i wouldn't really uh, like uh, you know think too much about the 20 20 workouts it's super easy to make 20 workouts out of uh, peloton well, any platform yeah, i i guess I, i don't get too worked up about whether it's 20 or 27 what it tells you though at the end of the day is are people engaged and and then if you look at that in combination with their monthly churn which has stayed consistently under 1% a month i think that's really all that matters yeah, yeah one one thing i would say is like this uh, account the workout number is per account not per profile uh, so under my account it's mm-hmm. my wife's profile and then my kids profile everybody counts under one account you know so the number could be inflated uh, inflated per person but it's still like like what shri mentioned you know people are engaged and that's what the number shows you know cool yeah i was just going to chime in it's it's all about engagement and <clears throat> monitoring you know their their newer programs their meditation their boot camp and how engaged people are obviously that's going to directly relate to churn which has historically been super low um and i just wanted to chime in on jay's point about um the uh treadmill sales um the the and i agree with jay uh in the future if somebody already owns a bike they're already paying the $39 monthly subscription they will absolutely unequivocally go with the peloton tread and the reason being it tracks right into their profile their workouts are able to be compared their um uh <clears throat> the new um i can't think of the term but what are they using now um to monitor your effort in the workout the um the strive strive the strive score you can compare that on your tread and your your bike um and you know yeah you have the upfront $2500 cost but in the in the future it's not going to incur any future expense for you um so the um the uh, uh i i just foresee and and even on the uh conference call they spoke about how they expect the current subscribers to buy the tread much more than than new and then they'll drive their marketing um to attract new subscribers so um the uh the tonal and the mirror the reason we're seeing peloton bike users order the the tonal and the mirror is number one they're great products and number two peloton doesn't have anything like that yet so when somebody's wor- looking for a strength product uh you know other than boot camp and and some dumbbells peloton doesn't really have that interactive you know where you can look at a screen and follow a program um and uh measure your your metrics and you know that's the thing that's so cool about the bike and and the tread is 
you're always working to beat your PR, right? And you're always working to, to beat somebody on the leaderboard. And with these interactive products now, you can, you can do that. And that's why I'm so excited about a strength product um, because people are going to have just that. Um, so that's about all I had to add. Hmm. Yeah, one, one more point on just uh, the placement in the hotel. So I think Westin had uh, some of the Peloton bikes in their, actually, uh, the rooms. And I think one of the past interviews, their CFO mentioned that every eight bike placement they do, they sell one bike to the consumer, you know. So I don't know how they track exactly that number, but that's what they mentioned. So obviously by putting that bike, the hardware in this uh, more commercial properties, they're going to get that uh, the end con- consumer directly. So that's, uh, that's another optionality of the business for sure. Cool. Overlooked. I know you've been waiting. I'm sorry to. I know you've been wanting to speak for a while, so go ahead. Ben. Yeah, no worries. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so I don't have any strong views on Peloton one way or another, but uh, since you asked for alternative views, I wanted to just throw this out. Out. Um, one of the uh, bold thesis on uh, Peloton seems to be the idea of connected fitness that you basically. Uh, will make the money and the margins on the selling the subscription over time and actually connecting people and having uh, basically the software and uh, that uh, that evolve uh, during time. I wanted to throw this out there as well that one of the important uh, aspects of fitness seems to be interactivity. And uh, there are some video games companies out there that uh, provide uh, uh, provide uh, kind of products uh, that enable you to be uh, to be involved in connected fitness and have actually uh, a significant user base. Uh, I'll just give you an example that I am familiar with, which is uh, Ring Fit Adventure from Nintendo. It has about uh, 11.5 million users worldwide, and it's growing very fast. And uh, that's all under two years. So if the idea is to bet on connected fitness, uh, why not can why not bet on uh, on, a, on a company like Nintendo or another company that has a more worldwide reach and can can actually provide this experience faster and better in terms of video games in ter- instead of uh, waiting for Peloton to get into gaming and interactivity. And thanks for uh, having me. Anybody? Yeah, can I take that? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. It, it, that's a great question. VR has been a conversation. So um, I, when Oculus was originally, uh, you, you know, reached uh, like yeah, went into investments uh, before Facebook got it, uh, they thought it's going to be the next gen uh, workout. Um, what do you call it, platform? That is, you know video game based platform right and, and, and so did so many other platforms the problem is adoption is is mostly in the technology sector user base and, and the, the 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 people that you're saying are pretty pretty much like gaming the classification is different the, the short answer is the classification goes for nintendo goes in the gaming sector and they are always compared with sony Right, and the and people who are gym rats don't really automatically want to identify 
with a platform that is a gaming platform originally right same same thing with oculus when it originally came out to be uh, used for health and fitness uh, the adoption levels were lower because of of the perception uh, and uh, uh, that, that's that's how i envisioned it and and it was true though it really is true it's a great company i'm not saying nintendo is not is not sony is not a great, a great they are great companies but but the fact is the growth rates that we are expecting or that i am hoping for uh for disruptors like peloton and teslas uh, is where i'm putting my money in right not not for progressive growth i'm all, that these are on the riskier investments but i'm still be okay when it is long term enough when it is 2 to 3 years i know i will make definitely a good decent amount of money so that is the basic uh, insight of my investment strategy into something into a product that i believe and i'm also a part of that community so it, it just makes it better for me to uh, validate my decision so that's me but personally and i'm sure other people have other opinions so if i may present a counter to that uh, i'm not talking about the a technology like ar or vr that are not completely here yet i'm talking about a product out there right now that you can buy and a product that has grown from 0 to 11.5 million sales uh, in less than 2 years and uh, and that's and that's just uh, for ring fit uh, ring fit adventure and there's also switch boxing and there's also all other um, products out there that are going to come uh, in next few years and uh, that that have shown to that have shown a great product market fit and have grown very quickly in very short amount of time so i guess the question is if i am going to bet on the future of fitness digital fitness uh how much of that market is going to be owned by a company like Peloton and how much of it is going to be owned by companies that are very good at presenting and creating great experiences digital experiences uh and uh, that are interactive uh, because um experience and uh, history has shown that creating great uh, interactive experiences in, uh, and gaming is just one part of it is is not something that and it, uh, it's not easy right so not every right. company can do it properly i think the counter argument is like the churn is still under 1% you know after long periods of time and the the nps score is the highest level of of any company higher than tesla higher than apple higher than or i'm sorry maybe second to tesla i think the second highest um and they just won the number one global brand by a company i forget the name of the company if anybody knows but i mean they just won number one global brand they just got ranked one of the i think it was number one place to work so they're siphoning customers they're siphoning top talent you know you have engineers who 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 get on this bike or use the treadmill and they fall in love with the product and it's top talent people and they want to come work for peloton i mean it's kind of similar to the tesla story in a sense except for john foley isn't as 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 uh, crazy and, and as Elon Musk is but i mean in my opinion i think they are building a very very strong brand and a very very strong amount of talent that wants to work there i mean you see it in what they're winning in all the rewards i mean do you know any other products that have an nps score that high i mean and it's workout equipment like who actually wants to work out as a human being most people don't right most people want to sit on the couch and watch their roku or play on their apple computer or whatever it is so i i think that's interesting in in, in my opinion and i don't know if like Granted, yeah, it may not work out over the long term, but I've never seen a company 
like in the workout space that is that has the chance to revolutionize it and, and change so many things. So that's why I'm going personally. I mean, maybe the numbers don't make sense for a lot of people, but I just think there's a lot for them to grow on. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I second you, Mark, and and completely there with you because I'm not 10 year long, but I'm definitely two to three years long on Peloton, just the way as things are. Yes, the Sony's and the Lululemon's and Roku's and Activision's, they are really bigger fish in the same market. But currently, their numbers and their growth numbers and adoption levels are not at where I would have thought they would possibly be. But now coming from a no-wise, right? Uh, I... Uh, uh, overlooked I, i'm sorry i didn't catch your name though but uh, consider me as a no wise who has like no idea of what you're talking about are there any tickers that you would say that i should be looking at right uh, from from what you said there are multiple products that are there in the industry any tickers that you would throw at us uh, uh, to consider uh, and maybe has huge up, up growth potential that you might give us as a pointer so it would be really greatly appreciated um, I don't want to give a stock tips, and uh, that's not that, that's not why I'm here. So I, I was just talking about the interactive fitness space in general, and uh, I mentioned the example of Nintendo, but uh, you could imagine this being developed by other gaming companies as well. So that was just uh, one alternative view on this market because Mark asked for um, uh, alternative yeah. views, uh, and I'm not just I'm not saying that. Peloton is a bad company. I'm just presenting sure. some other viewpoint to think about. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, with like the gaming and everything, I mean, obviously Peloton also, you know, they're started working on a video game simulation or whatever it's going to be. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be, but, you know, obviously they're taking that into consideration as well. And then obviously if you want to throw buzzwords like metaverse and, you know, everything going on now, I mean, they're going to do something with VR. They're going to do something different in the future. I mean, they're hiring... Um, I've seen some some roles they're hiring for. They hired some Unity people. So, I mean, they're trying to build out that next layer or tier on top. I just don't know what it looks like. I don't know if anybody else, Shree maybe knows, but, I mean, it's coming, uh, to mention your point about the Nintendo Overlooked. Yeah, uh, over Overlooked uh, Insights, I appreciate the, the viewpoint. Um, and like uh, Mark alluded to, the... The net promoter score, it's not just, you know, the, the hardware, the bike. Um, it's not just the leaderboard. It's not just the top-notch talent um, and the motivation that they provide. Um, it, it's a lot of the intangibles that I, I don't think we can even quite put into words that, you know, what what is it that makes that, that special uh, Peloton spark that everybody is attracted to and everybody wants and everybody wants to wear their their stuff. Um, uh, but it's, it's just not something that anybody can, can create. And I think that's what makes this company special and, and gives them the growth, uh, to, uh, the fuel, uh, their continued expansion. I agree. I mean, obviously Liam, you can talk or, or Sheree, if you have something to say, but I mean, are there any other companies that have successfully built out a fitness platform in the history of history? I don't know one. Uh, sorry, I just gave you one example though, which was uh, which was Nintendo Ring Fit Adventure, zero to one eleven point five users in less than two years. 
Yeah, but I mean, like, consistent, like, whereas people are interacting with each other, people are, like, going on social media, talking to each other, like, people are in that community paying a monthly sub, like, what does that Nintendo game look like? You buy it once and and you play recorded videos, are you, like, actually engaged live, like, seeing people, getting to know people, you know what I'm saying? Like, where it's kind of like a social media in a sense for working out, does that make sense? Uh, it does, uh, but I guess the point is that uh, although there is no subscription right now, but you could imagine products like that being uh, developed in future. And it's not just Ring Fit Adventure, right? There is Ring Fit, uh, bo- Ring, sorry, Switch Boxing, and uh, event like ten years ago, there was V Fitness and all these uh, products that showed a lot, uh, great product market fit that had amassed tons of users. So you could imagine more products like this being developed in futures and subscription being developed on top of it. I think calling it great product market fit is a bit of a stretch, right? Because if you think of the user base, it's inherently different than what we look at for the for the fitness market in general. Um, I think that like stickiness and retention, and if you look at that churn number, right, that Mark's continued to mention, like having the churn increase from I think it's like 0.5 to 0.7% on this this round of earnings is insane. Like that's nothing, especially for uh, a product in an industry that has one of the higher churn rates in terms of customer retention, if you think about fitness and like big box fitness. So I think that like this idea of a company coming in from a, I don't know, like a gaming standpoint and then taking fitness market share is more complicated than just saying like, going from zero to 11 million users because that user base is different from the, the inherently like sticky fitness user base. If I'm I guess, of, sti- sorry, yeah, I was, sorry to cut you off. I was, yeah. I was just going to say, so is it fair based on what you said and what you countered? Is it fair to say that the Peloton is uh, a niche a market is serving a niche market of uh, fitness buffs and people that are, very passionate about fitness and is not a mass market product is that is that what you were arguing no i think that they are non-congruent markets i think is more of an argument i'm not saying that that market is necessarily hyper niche but i think that they're not congruent so so so, yeah so so the reason that i mentioned this when we talk about digital fitness in general right uh, we 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 should be thinking about uh, mass market a, pro- a, mad mar- a mass market product. I, at least that was the arguments that I heard uh, mostly being talked about and discussed about Peloton. So that's why I presented the counter of uh, a product like Ring Fit Adventure. And if you actually look at the people that are buying that product, most of them are not actually gamers. They are actually normal people uh, that that uh, that just wanted to uh, actually do uh, some form of fitness inside their houses that is uh, that is interactive and uh so talking well, about I a mean, mass like market to, it to, to be able to to go on the nintendo system like like that doesn't seem right they're they're not gamers at all and they're 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 choosing nintendo as their form of fitness I, I i'm just trying to understand yeah so if you for example look at the sales of nintendo switch in china the main driver of the sales there is actually a ring fit adventure so a lot of people that that did not have any uh, console gaming experience because consoles were banned in China a couple of years ago. That's a good uh, controlled market to look at. A lot of them bought uh, uh, during the last two years uh, a Nintendo Switch uh, for uh, with the uh, Ring Fit Adventure together. 
I'm, I'm not just saying, I'm not trying to convince you to buy Nintendo, and I think Nintendo is a <laughs> fantastic company, but I'm just saying that that's one example of a mass market product versus a product that seems to be, at least based on your argument, uh, catering to fitness buffs. Yeah, man, this is all good uh, points, and I appreciate you bringing up Nintendo and uh, creating this conversation. Uh, I personally don't have anything to add. I just wanted to say really quick that uh, what a great discussion you guys are having. And uh, for me, like a person who is trying to um, get as much insight about Peloton as possible, this 19-minute uh, space has been exceptionally helpful. I really appreciate all the speakers, and um, I'm not sure if we have any other questions at this point. Uh, Yo, if you guys have anything else to add, just trying to appreciate everyone's time. So I would just want to, I just want to thank everyone for having me. I'm uh, not arguing Peloton is a bad company or a bad investment. Just trying to present a, sure. a alternative view. Thank you very much. No, really yeah, good thank, point. I appreciate you sharing. And then, do we have anybody else that wants to say any final remarks or you know anything? Curious. You know, just one thing that I wanted to say, I was actually, like I mentioned before, um, I haven't done too much research in this company, and uh, I don't own the stock, obviously, but uh, it was extremely helpful today, and uh, today, I'm not sure how many times during this 90 minutes call, uh, the comparison between Peloton and uh, Tesla was mentioned, but it was (laughs) very shockingly to me, and uh, definitely makes me want to keep digging and... um, doing my dual diligence on uh, this uh, company and thank you guys so much for participating not sure if you have any other closing remarks or anything else to add i i think i'm good i appreciate everybody coming and you know talking and being a part of this so thanks everybody thanks Shri. thanks ben thanks clay and all the you know guest questions and i appreciate you guys thanks for hosting max mark Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for joining. All right, Max. Bye now.